Man, what up, what up, what up? How you doing? Doing good? Yes? No? Maybe? You all right? Yo, big game on Saturday? Yeah? A little bit? All right. Um, man, for those of you who don't know, again, my name is Matt Tuning. Um, and I'm, I'm just, honestly, I'm just super grateful to be here. Uh, yeah, I was here last year around this time. It was the first time I was brought uh, in to, to speak. I and mean, I'm just honestly super grateful for the opportunity. I mean, I, honestly, you put your life on the line by bringing me in, right? I mean, Robert Benjamin was like, dude, you don't even know how thick this dude's file is, right? I mean, like, he should not be here. Love you, Robert. Good to see you, baby. Um, and, uh, and so, man, I, honestly, I'm just super excited to be here because um, I'm, so if, if you know my story at all from... Uh, from, from when I was here the first time and I shared some of that, man, like I, I became a Christian here, right? Like, like I came to this campus to hoop. That was it. I just came to play ball. And so when I got here, like y'all Christians were, were just crazy to me. Insane. I literally called my dad and was like, get me out of here. You need to save me from these people who are trying to save me. It's nuts. And, uh, and so, man, but, but by God's grace, man, I got saved here. Uh, and, uh, and the Lord is just really continuing to do what he's, what he says he's going to do. And that's a, that's a work in my life. And so I'm just grateful for this, uh, this college, the ministries that are here, the people that are here. And, uh, I mean, honestly, man, your teachers and, and Robert Benjamin, man, I hated all them dudes when I was here. Right, Robert? We didn't get along. We didn't. But listen, listen, he was God's grace in my life, right? He was God's grace in my life. And, uh, and it t- sometimes takes years to recognize that. But, but right now, man, these people who are teaching you and loving you and caring for you, man, in the moment right now, to you, at times they're a burden. But, man, they don't have to do this. As a matter of fact, what I could promise you is they could go somewhere else and make a lot more money doing it. Right? They could. But for some reason, they feel called by God to be here. And so, man, I just want to encourage you in that because that's the truth. That's the truth. So, uh, so ENC Gordon, Saturday night, 3 o'clock. I'm not going to be able to be there. But, look, y'all better win. Who's on the team? Yo, where are you at? Anyone? He's like, no, ain't nobody on the team coming to chapel. <laughs> what are you, dumb? <laughs> right? Hey, tell them I said to win, okay? Um, and so, so, so anyway, uh, but listen, um, it's, it's interesting. If, if some of you guys are going to be out there uh, this weekend on Saturday, we're doing a, our, our church is doing this women's gathering. It's kind of a, a little women's conference. Um, well, it's not little. It's supposed to be a big deal. Um, and uh, we're bringing in a, a woman by the name of Linda Dillo. It's only 10 bucks for a college student if you register online, $20 at the door. It's gonna, we're going to provide food for you and everything. But really, for us, it's just our way to pour into young people and women. We want to encourage women to walk with Jesus, to love Jesus. And even relationally, what does it look like to be a woman of God? And to one day be married to a man. What does that all look like? And so, anyway, come on out to that. So, uh, if you got your Bibles, go ahead, turn. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Um, as you're turning there, uh, bef- before I get to that, I'm going to read something from Ephesians and give us a little bit of context of where we're heading. But uh, we will be mo- uh, the majority of the time now in Hebrews chapter 10. But um, as you're turning there, let me just encourage you. So when I, was, uh, when I was standing there worshiping the Lord with you, I felt the Lord remind me, man, we all come to this place uh, for different reasons, right? Like some of you are here right now because your mom and dad made you be at this school, right? Now you ain't going to own that. You're like, no, I chose this. No, you didn't. You're lying, okay? And, and so you have to be here, right? They're like, look, we're going to pay for your college if you go there, 
And that's it. Like others of us are in here, maybe, maybe you're here just for a sport or you live close or whatever your reason for being here. Man, it's, it's, it's different for a lot of us, right? But, but what I want to encourage you in is, man, for all of us, whether you're, you're here because you love Jesus, you're here because you need to get the chapel credit, or you're here because your parents are paying the tuition, whatever it is, we all come to this place in need of the same exact thing, which is the gospel of Jesus, right? Whether you know it or not is irrelevant to me. But that's what you need. That's what I needed, and I didn't know it. And that's what you need. And so let me just explain really, really fast out of Ephesians what the gospel is. Um, And we'll touch on this throughout the remainder of uh, my message here. But in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul starts out and he's saying, listen, you're dead. Like you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Like dead people, like you don't come undead. You're not like, hey, let me resuscitate my dead self. Like, no, no, you don't do that. You can't do that. You don't throw a dead person like a life vest. Hey, throw it on. We'll save you. No, right? You're dead. So Paul says, listen, you were dead, completely dead, completely dead. And in verse four, it says, but God, but God, biggest but in the Bible, but God, (laughs) being rich in mercy, Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Listen to this, check this. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And, and this is not of your own doing. This is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no man may boast. Now, listen to me. Um, one of the things that was really detrimental to me was I, it took me a long time to get this, to understand this. Right, that the Christian message, the primary Christian message is not follow God's law. Follow the rules. I mean, the Christian message is, is you are dead. May you have failed, I have failed over and over and over again to follow God's law. But God has grace. He has grace. And you could rest in assurance in the fact that God has lavished upon those who have trusted in his grace, grace. So this is something I still struggle with, right? I mean, this is not... uh, this is, I don't know if this ever goes away. Recently, I was on a plane, and I was reading, uh, I was reading a couple books. I was reading two books, which is the more than I read my whole time here, right? I was reading two books. I was like, oh, snap, Corey would be so proud of me. Uh, and so, so I was reading these books, and, um, and man, these, these two books, both of them were pointing out the insignificance of my life. Like, man, like I'm, like, like I'm not, I don't have it going on. Right, and, and, and it, was, it, was, it was opening my eyes up to remind me once again of my brokenness, right? And it was forcing me, let's check this, it was forcing me, and I hate this, right? Fellas, you'll agree, ladies, just bear with me, you'll hear it. It was making me deal with my feelings. Now, I didn't even know I had feelings. I ain't got no feelings, I ain't got nothing to deal with. But I do. And it was making me evaluate why I am the way that I am. 
and how my past and my brokenness and the way that I was raised by my parents and who split up when I was young and how, how much that has formulated who I am even today. Am I a Christian? Yes. Did God save me? Yes. Do I have a new identity? Yes, but I'm still broken, right? And God was revealing to me, Matt, do you, did, did you forget, man, that, that, man, you are still selfish and lustful and broken and at times a terrible dad and at times a terrible husband. I mean, at times you fake it. Man, and I'm, so I'm in this plane, I'm reading this, and I had one of those like moments where you have only a few times in your life where for no reason I'm just sitting there and I'm just start crying. And I get mad because I don't like to cry, so I'm mad. I'm ticked off that I'm crying, so now I'm, now I'm ticked, right? So I take the book, I slam it on the, there wasn't a guy next to me, it was a chair, just boom, put that thing down. And I'm crying, and I'm every, you know, when you're on a plane, you're nervous anyway. <laughs> and so people are like, why is he crying? Does he have a bomb? You know, like, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, and I've toyed with it. I started looking, I'm like, eh. like I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you, like, hiding the bomb, you know. No, so I'm, cr- I'm, I'm upset. And then the Lord was revealing to me my brokenness. But in that moment, in that moment, check it, the Holy Spirit even spoke to me in that moment. was was like, Matthew tuning listen to me i am your god but god while you were dead he has raised you to life like my identity today is not wrapped up in my mistakes currently or my past mistakes or my future mistakes my identity is found in jesus and what he's done now we all need that revelation And I can't allow my mistakes to define who I am because at the end of the day, I am not that great. He is great. He is great. And he who is great has said to me, Matt, I have begun a good work in you and I will be faithful to carry it through until the end. It's grace. It's grace. Now check this though. Check this. The danger of resting in grace is allowing grace to become a freedom for us to do whatever we want to do. Now, that's the danger, right? Like, Paul talks about this in Romans 6. So, uh, should I sin all the more so that grace might abound? Should I just do whatever I want so that I could keep getting this grace? No, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 not at all. So, the if we're not careful, the, the reality of your life and my life is that we will so believe in grace because grace is the foundation of the Christian method. But we allow that grace to lead us towards complacency where it's like, I don't give a rip what God did. Who cares? Grace. Or just license, right? To just do whatever. I mean, I could do that. God's going to forgive me. I could do this. Oh, but God's, God's going to cover that. And we're intentionally taking advantage of grace, which in reality shows us you have no idea what grace is. And because grace wipes our, our slate clean, we are tempted then, we are tempted to not take our calling as Christians saved by the grace of Jesus through what he's accomplished on the cross and to take that at all and carry the weight of it. And we're in danger when we do that of a vicious, vicious cycle. 
Like, like the Bible says, Ephesians 4 says, Paul speaks and he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, let me urge you in this. I want you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. Now, you received that calling by grace, but I want you to live a life worthy of that calling in which you've received. And when a believer doesn't understand the unmerited love of God, we then become in danger, in danger of a very, very dangerous cycle. So here's how it works. Check it. You ready? Grace was given to us. Grace was given to us so that we might have a way to have deep intimacy with God. Now, some of you, that's, that made no sense. What? God has given you grace and me grace so that we might know him and walk with him and experience him and, and know the power of the resurrection and to have an intimate father that we walk with on a continual basis. That's what grace has been given us too. But when grace leads to license to do what we want or complacency is leading us into sin and Sin then leads us into the sense of feeling shameful or guilty. And the feeling of shame and guilt leads us into the sense of separation from this God who has given us grace. Because we know, we're bright enough to know if God is truly holy and I'm truly rebellious against him, there comes a separation in those moments, right? So the very grace that was meant to lead us into intimacy with Jesus now creates a separation with Jesus. And where there's a separation with Jesus, we lose our satisfaction in Jesus. And when we're not satisfied in Jesus, we will kill ourselves, kill ourselves to find an element of satisfaction somewhere. Right? No, I'm, I'm wrong. Let me ask you, okay, what do you run to? Right? Like, what do you run to when you're tired? What do you run to when you're stressed out? What do you run to when you're bored? What do you run to when you're annoyed? What do you run to when you're depressed, right? Like these are the things that become functional saviors in us because we're so consumed with the idea of, look, I need some sort of satisfaction somewhere. And I will find it. And so what do you run to? Man, do you run to a person like, yo, Yo, I'm having a rough day. I need to call him. Yo, it, it, things are not good. Um, I'm just struggling. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm tired. I'm going to play a video game. All night long. And tomorrow. And the next day. Do you run to your bed? Do you, do you run to some sort of sexual satisfaction? I just need to get some of that because that'll make me feel better. Fellas, like what settles your soul? What, what is it that settles your soul? Is it a TV show? Is it The Walking Dead? Is it Grey's Anatomy? I mean, the list could go on, right? Blacklist. Look, I'm, that's confession for me. Like Walking Dead is crazy, right? That is crazy. Um, so we're like, if I laugh, they'll know I watch it, right? Sports Center. The third time, right? You know, nobody watches Sports Center once, ever. Right? I gotta watch it again and again and again and again and again. Like, because, you know, I might have missed that highlight. Anyway, what do you run to? The gym, a bottle, a pill, your phone, right? This is the things that we in our culture right now run to. Oh my gosh, we are so addicted with our phones. I'm guilty, right? I'm guilty. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. 
No, that's something, right? Now, Instagram, oh, snap! Double tip, I love it. Heart shape now, oh, I like it. I got 17 likes in four minutes, oh, snap! You know, liking my own Facebook status, I liked it because I wrote it. Uh, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, right? Retweeting your own tweet? Is that even possible? Man, that was so good, I'm gonna retweet my tweet. Like, what? We are addicted. I mean, this, this movement right here is a problem. Some of us, we just walk around like this. we just walking. What, are you, what is wrong with your thumb? What you talking about? What's wrong with my thumb? Oh, snap. You know? Because we're addicted. Everybody in here is addicted to satisfaction, and we will find it somewhere. It's a vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle. So the question then becomes, out of Hebrews 10, I want to show us, what does it look like for us to protect ourselves from this? From this cycle of... Um, allowing our lack of understanding of grace to lead us into license or complacency, which then leads us into the sensing of guilt and shame because we recognize that we're lazy or not worshipful and we don't give a rip, which makes us sense as if God's a million miles away. Man, how, how do we protect us from that? All right, you ready? Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to read it. Starting in verse 11. Open up, look. You're going to want to look at this with me. We don't know who wrote Hebrews exactly, but it's okay. It says this. And every priest. Now, you almost have to stop there for a second to, to define what he's talking about there. Like, the Bible calls you and I saints, priests. Every Christian is a priest at some level. He's talking to the Christians. And every priest, every priest stands daily at his service Offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. This is what this is saying right here. Every one of us feels the weight of our sin. Every one of us in the room right now, at some level, feels the weight of our disconnectedness to God. And we feel the weight of it. And we somehow want to pay for it. Like there's something inherently in us that says, okay... I've got to pay for what I just did. But that's not grace, right? So, um, so the day I became a Christian, it was, it, was, uh, it was actually at Quincy Medical, right? It was at the, what's that hospital? That Quincy Medical Center? So I was at Quincy Medical Center, and I'm in there. I don't know about you, but, um, but the way that I got saved, I had this inflamed gland in my groin. That's the first time anybody said groin up here, huh? It's pretty legit. So proud of myself. So I had this inflamed gland, right? And like any dude, if there's anything wrong with that area, you're like, yo, I need to get that fixed quick now. And so I, I, I man, I, uh, my, my buddy Ricky uh, and I, uh, who's also a, a dude on the basketball team, he's a freshman. We were both freshmen. Man, we wind up going over to Quincy Medical and I'm in there and the doctor comes in. He's, Ricky's out in the waiting room, all this stuff, whatever. But the doctor comes in and he starts asking me all these questions about, he's like, look, um, let me ask some questions. You ever had sex before? I was like, yo, that's a personal question, dog. Don't be asking me that. Why are you asking me that, actually? Um, did you know her? What in the world? Why are you asking me that? Okay, yeah, I think. Oh, so, uh, all right, well, we're going to run some more tests. So he walks out the room, and I'm like, I'm dying. I got AIDS. Absolutely. <laughs> right? I'm dead. I'm dead. <laughs> 
And I did what we all do. He walked out of the room. I wasn't even a Christian yet. And I sat there in that seat and I was like, okay, um, God. I wasn't even a Christian. Like, look, I'll make, let's make a deal. You know what I'm saying? Let's make a deal. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what. If you make sure I don't die or have anything crazy, God, I promise, like a double, double promise with cherries, whipped cream, the whole, no, I can't even say whipped cream because that has a connotation. No, 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 God, take that back. Um, no whipped cream. I promise, 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 I won't even look at anything with legs ever again, ever, never again, ever. God, please. I mean, they had to leave. This couple right here had to leave. They were like, that's too much. That's too much. I'm gone. I had to go. Love you. Love you. I don't know why he left. He checked his groin. He's like, oh, snap. Uh, (laughs) And here's the deal. No, check it, though. Check it. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. That's what we do, right? We start making deals with him. We're like, yo, Lord, Lord. Oh, now I'm Lord. You're Lord. Okay, you're Lord. You're Lord. I promise I won't do it. And we try to pay him off. Like he's a prostitute, right? Like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll give you this. You give me that. As if your measly payment can do anything, right? But this is what we do, right? Oh, I'm having a rough day. I've been sinning a lot. I'll read my Bible. We should be good. Let's continue on. Verse 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. This is what God just spoke through whoever wrote Hebrews. In an instance, in a moment, when you believe that Jesus truly paid for your sins and that he was the ultimate sacrifice and that offering that he gave to the Lord on the cross by his death, burial, and then his resurrection, you then become immediately perfected in the eyes of the Lord and then progressively, progressively, slowly molded into his image and likeness. And there's no more payments that you need to give them. Even on your best day, you're a punk. On your best day. And there should be no guilt or shame because your identity is wrapped in what God says you are, a priest, a saint, beloved. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on your behalf and my behalf so that in that we might become the righteousness of God. Right? So there's no guilt. There's no shame. God is not mad at you. He does not hate you. It is his greatest joy to pick you up when you fall and wash you off and tell you, listen, son, get up, try again. Like, I got four kids. I know you look at me, I think you think that's crazy, right? You're like, whoa. When you heard that, some of y'all were like, no, I think he, I think he read that wrong. No, no. So I got four children. They're awesome. They're in the back. Are they in the back? What's up, people? And so, um, so our, our young, all of our kids have small heads. I'm going to talk about you guys. Just bear with me. All of our kids have these little heads, right? But my oldest, he got this massive head. 
right? My oldest, I mean, my youngest has the same size head as our oldest child, and there's a six-year gap, okay? It's like, whoa, your head is big. And so what happened is as, as my youngest child was, was, um, was learning how to walk, I don't know if you, most of y'all don't have kids, but if you have kids, you know this, right? They get up to walk, and this is how kids learn to walk. They stand up, and you go, yay, you stood up. That's great. And then they, they lean that big stinking head to the side. And for my son, it was like, oh, snap. <laughs> right? That's how a kid learns to walk, right? He gets up, he's like, oh. And you're like, hey, that was four steps. Oh, and then they fall, right? And, then, and here's the thing. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. Here, here's the thing that happens, though. When a child falls down and you're their parent, you don't look at them and say, you know what? You're, you're stupid. I don't love you no more. Right? But that's how we view God. Like we struggle and we fall. Yes, God is gracious. And just as my son, when he would fall, would look at his daddy and say, help me back up. I want to try this again. God, your father, looks at you when you fall and doesn't say, you stupid idiot. What are you doing? You know what? Go read a Bible or something, and I'll watch and see when you do that. I'll come back then. That's not how he rolls. But that's how we view him, because we don't get grace. And when we don't get grace, we don't understand the gospel. And if we don't understand the gospel, we can't know Christ Jesus. And if we don't know Christ Jesus, you're dead in your sins and trespasses, and you need to be resurrected and rescued. Verse 15 says, and the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their heart and write them on their minds. So God is just saying very plainly, he's like, listen to me. I'm going to put my law on your heart. So you're going to know right from wrong. You're going to know what my heart desires for you and what it doesn't. So you can't get away from this. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds, though. No more. Where there is forgiveness of these, through Christ Jesus, there's forgiveness of sin. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Listen to me, please, as clearly as I could explain this to you. You can never pay God off. And so stop trying. I mean, my four years here was like, I've got to hide this fake life and start paying him my dues so that he'll actually care about me and love me. And that has nothing to do with, with, with this school. That had everything to do with the dysfunction in my heart. Romans 8 says, right, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the, from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. So God did it. Verse 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest, we're all priests. He's the great high priest over the house of God. Now, listen to this. This is so encouraging. God is about to answer for us how in the world we protect ourselves from this cycle of falling into this life where, where, we, where we just don't understand grace whatsoever and we're constantly trying to earn his favor because we feel separated from him. Let us draw near with a true heart, with authenticity, 
you know what, I'm broken, Lord. Not coming to him trying to convince him how great you are. I'm broken. Yet in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. Like, like, do you recognize your inheritance because of his faithfulness? Paul, Paul prays in Ephesians 1, it says, you don't have to turn there. Paul prays that, that we would have the eyes of our hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. Towards us who believe. Not that we pretend we believe, but we believe. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the age to come. Like you've been adopted by the king. Like, he is that great. Like, there is no power. There is nothing that is beyond him. Everything falls under his lordship. Everything was created by his hands. He is the image of the invisible God, the exact imprint of his nature. He himself, he upholds the universe by the power of his word. And you're his kid, if you believe. And when you're his kid because you believe, that's powerful. You're a son of the king. Like your daddy's the man, right? Like your daddy is the man. Go ahead and try to say something to one of Barack's kids. You're a punk. Yeah, whatever. My dad's the man. What? President of the United States. Look, I don't even care where you stand politically. It doesn't matter. That, that wasn't a political statement. The dude's got influence. And power. And that's granted over to his children. Oh no? Who do you know that got his children's cell phone number? No one. Yeah, I'm going to call Barack real quick. You're lying. Okay. Like, do you understand that? By the power of the resurrection given to us through Jesus, we have the inheritance that God has given to us as his kids. Like the whole idea of inheritance is someone dies and you get something. Like because of that and because of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us, we as his bride cannot be moved, cannot be shaken. Man, I don't care what the enemy tries to feed in my mind. That's lies. God says my identity is in him. God calls me righteous. I don't need to try to prove to God that I'm righteous because that's like trying to prove to the king that I'm the king's kid when his his wife gave birth to me. It would make no sense. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You belong to me. Listen to me very clearly in closing. The call for us is to not run from our dad. But run to him. Man, when we fall and stumble, which you will... 
Don't make excuses. He says, just draw near. And just draw near again with full assurance. Hold on to the confession of hope because he was promised faithful. Okay, okay, good. How do I do this? Do I set an alarm? Remember God's faithful. No, that's dumb. You look like a fool. Okay. Do I um, pray three times a day? Well, maybe. But I don't think that's the answer. Oh, oh, listen to only Christian music. Only Christian television. Oh, oh, I got it. I'll get a fish for my car. Yes. And when I put the fish in my car, I come out of the car and I walk past the car and I'll turn around and be like, oh, the fish reminded me I'm a child. No, it's not going to work. You don't even drive good enough to have a fish in your car just telling you. Okay, then how do we do this? Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good deeds. Okay, how do we do that? Verse 25, in closing. Why don't you try this? Not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some. In, in other words, some people just don't really take this very serious. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Like, listen, listen. When you're about to walk out those doors and go to class or do whatever it is that you guys do here, okay? The thing you need to remember in order to fight, to continually believe the gospel and what Christ has done for you and to find your satisfaction in Jesus is to fight to be together. And you've got to fight for that. You've got you to fight to be together with one another. You've got to fight to have gospel conversations as you meet together. You've got to fight for that stuff. Why? Because everything else around you is saying all of that's irrelevant. So you've got to fight. You've got to fight. And so whether that's chapel or whether that's gathering together uh, uh, in, in a dorm room somewhere on occasion, not so that we could check this idea off of a box, but so we could go deep with one another, And not so that somebody could ask me accountability questions, but rather so that we could actually just know one another deeply and worship Christ. Because as we do that, we will be matured. When we do those things, when we're plugged into the local church, we will be reminded that God is glorious. God is great. And I don't need to earn his favor. He has given it to me on the cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word, the truth of the gospel. We love you, Lord. We give you honor and glory right now. And we would just ask that the truth of your message would so resonate in our hearts, God, that we would stop attempting to get you to love us and recognize that in Christ you do love us. And so, God, I pray that Christ's name was exalted. I pray that we, together, collectively, as a body of people, would have trusted and just trust in your fabulous name because of what you've done, God. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Dismiss. You guys are dismissed.